Today, we're going to dive deep into the pitfalls of debating and being persuasive and some of the things that I encounter when I'm in conversation with people and some other tactics that I see modern leftists use and they actually cover ground with them, but their ideas are flawed. So we're going to talk all about the pitfalls of debates and being persuasive today on the Chico Demandwell Show. Let's get it. everybody welcome to the chico demandwell show i'm your host as always chico i've uh, been on for a minute been working this job i'm trying to figure out how to balance shit appropriately you know uh i already live a pretty crazy lifestyle as it is in terms of time of day that i do things so forgive me but nevertheless as i've said many times i'm committed to this this is something i'm going to do um and you can just be here for it or you can not be here for it we 15 episodes in so <laughs> I don't see what more I have to fucking prove in that regard, but nevertheless, I digress. Today's bottom line segment, uh, it's kind of hard to put it succinctly, but it's, well, l- let me break, let me break down the situation first, because that's how this goes. So I was listening to a YouTube short earlier when I was at work and it was on the whatever podcast and the guy, I think his name is Brian. He asked the girl, um, he said to a girl, like, it's, it's true that typically, you know, typically speaking, men find promiscuity undesirable. They don't like it. You know, men find promiscuity undesirable. And her response was like, so what? It, it was, I'm paraphrasing, but it was essentially, so what? Am I supposed to spend my whole life just trying to be desirable? Is that something? Is that what I'm supposed to do? And. It bothers me for what for reasons that made this the bottom line today. This is why I became the bottom line subject. And the bottom line is questions are not viewpoints. A question as, as a response to what somebody says is not a stance. And you should avoid people who cannot answer simple questions. Avoid getting into serious discussions with people who cannot answer your question. You know, it's just like how you watch politicians and somebody asks them something 
and they respond, but the response is so is vaguely related to the question that was asked. Like just uh, throwing some out there. It says, what's your plan to cut taxes for the middle class? And they say something like, well, you know, the middle class is important to America. And as you all know, I care about the middle class and I care about the things they're going through. You know, middle class people have real problems and people don't address these problems. And and it's it's really those those people over there. If they would fix these things, we wouldn't even have these problems to begin with. But as I said, I care about the middle class. The middle class is something that's important to me. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that the middle class is, is happy and satisfied if you elect me president. And it's like, what the fuck? Did that have to do with lowering taxes? Like, yeah, you, you gave a nice sounding spiel or whatever. Or what, or what if they would have ended it? Like, it was like, and what type of politician doesn't care? What type of real American doesn't care about lowering taxes for its citizens? Like, okay, so you end on that note. Like, that's a question. I don't care how you look at it. That's a question. And as far as I've, as far as I've known my entire life, when you ask a question, there's generally a response to it. The questions aren't one part statements like the question has the question. And if anybody hears the question and wants to gain knowledge, they provide an answer. So when you're talking to somebody and you're asking them questions and they're responding with questions or they're Generally, what that is, is they're trying to either answer the question that you're going to ask them in their mind before you ask it, or they're trying to shy away from saying something that they know answering the question honestly is going to force them to do. So when you, when you ask somebody a question like, uh, you know, like, why is it okay for women to be promiscuous? And it's like, like, that's just men being insecure. That's, men, men are just insecure. It's like, okay, but... While that may be true, while that may be false or whatever, you did not answer my question. You spoke right around it. And that's because if you answer that question, it's probably going to compromise you or you don't have a plausible answer to that question. And then just to touch on people using questions as a point of view, even like, oh, girl, he said, like, generally men find promiscuity amongst women undesirable. And she says, so am I supposed to live my whole life just trying to be desirable? It's like nobody said you were supposed to live your whole life just trying to be an object of desire. And if that's what you got from that, then you didn't fully understand the question. And responding with a question is like, OK, so let's say he answers her question. Am I supposed to spend my whole life being desirable? And he's like, yes. So like, therefore, like if, if that's your stance and I answer your question is yes. then like I kind of get to pick where you stand on something because you just left me with a question and I'm like, am I supposed to answer that question? Am I supposed to ignore that question? Now I am aware in terms of like just conversationally, like, you know, it's a rhetorical question. It's not really meant to have an answer for it right then and there. But however, like your stance cannot be a question. Like your stance is a conclusion. It's with the data you have, uh, 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 an ideology that you've settled on that, fits the narrative of how you see the world so like if she said am i supposed to be being undesirable and he says yes then obviously she disagrees with that premise and if he says no then safer to assume that she agrees with that but leaving it on a question is not a point of view and when people do this you need to get an answer out of them don't just let them off the hook with vague unclear remarks and, and not answering your questions like 
If someone won't answer your question, ask it again. If they ignore your question, ignore their response. Like the conversation cannot advance unless they're going to answer that question or it's obvious that they're not willing to answer the question, at which point that that does what it does. But people who don't answer simple questions and people who try to use questions and forward them as points of views or stances on a particular topic or subject, it's it's an easy trap to avoid. But you got to listen closely to what people are saying. And if people are answering your questions, especially if you're answering, I mean, if you're asking people actually well-formulated questions that make sense to answer, you know, if people are avoiding simple questions, then why do you think you're going to get a more complex explanation out of people? So the bottom line here is avoid serious topics with people who can't answer simple questions and people who try to use questions as a point of view. Doesn't work. It's, it's, I see it happen all the time and I don't really see anybody calling it out. But it's an easy hump to get over to, you know, if you're going to advance the conversation or whether if you know you can't talk to this person anymore. But it's real easy to sneak it under the rug. So, you know, that's one little tidbit. We're going to move forward and uh, explain a couple different things in our uh, basis today. So without further ado, let's get moving to third, baby. through but let's get into it so the one trap well I call this trap the appeal to emotion trap and I believe it's a logical fallacy you probably heard it somewhere but I like to call it the appeal to emotion trap and it's a few ways people can employ this on you and basically overall the appeal to emotion track is when people try to get you to reason with your emotions instead of using logic because that generally results in making a poor decision or making a decision that does not serve to help a situation, but only serves to make it worse. So an example of how people use this appeal to emotion and how they trap you into it is like, let's say uh, you're talking to somebody and they're, and they're talking about they got this scheme going on and they're going to take thousands of dollars from this business. And you're like, bro, we can't can't be doing that. You know, this business they are going to come after us, blah, 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 whoop, whoop, whoop. And they basically say something along the ends where it's like, well, stealing from them, stealing from these big corporations is it's all right, man. They got billions of dollars, man. Like, what the fuck? So what is it? What is it if I get this? What is it if I get a couple thousand or whatever? Whoop, whoop, whoop. And it's like they're trying to get you to reason and think that something that is clearly and morally inappropriate is now OK because they have a motive now because, you know, because like these corporations are rich and they don't care about us. So why should you care about them? And like, while that's valid, like, you know, we can assume to a, 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 a substantial degree for the sake of conversation. And let's just say corporations don't give a fuck about us. OK, like us not giving a fuck about corporations does not look the same way that corporations not giving a fuck about us looks like them not giving a fuck about us. Would probably like no discounts, like poor customer service, blah, blah, blah. But like at the same time, they've still generally speaking, fulfilled all the duties they need to have become a corporation of that size. Like, you know, I'm, I'm sure everybody's done something crooked or whatever, but just to focus on not the exceptions, everybody, you know, they, they went through the, the necessary processes to become a corporation or become a company of, of, 
you know, that size to where like they got billions. What the fuck does it matter if we take some? So when people start doing this, how you notice it is when something they suggest or something they do is a matter of how they feel. And it, and it doesn't sound like they've thought it out. Like if you mention the consequences of an action and the consequences don't seem to matter to them that much, especially when the consequences are severe and life changing, like a prison sentence per se, like if somebody's not worried about the fact that something they do, you know, in a situation like that could lead them to lose their freedom, could lead them to go to prison, then they're probably trying to appeal to your emotion. They're trying to get you riled up or trying to get you fired up enough to not think of the 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 actual and reasonably possible consequences that could occur from taking this action. You know, like you're not special, you're not untouchable, like you can be apprehended, you can be sent to prison, you can lose your freedom. You know, thinking with emotion as opposed to thinking with your fucking brain. So, the way this sounds is like people just like, like I said, people just like, yo, man, they did this to you, or you gonna let them do that to you? They're, they're trying to get your emotions or the way you feel about something to rationalize a clearly morally incorrect thing to do. You know, so that's one way people set the appeal to emotion trap. Another way, I'm sorry, I wrote this shit in green ink. I don't know why I did this. Oh yeah, people use people using the using emotion to try to get even with someone or using emotions to you know, basically, and I'm going to touch on this later like make two two wrongs, two wrongs don't make a right, but you know, if they generally don't care that two wrongs don't make a right or they use their emotions to to try to get even with somebody, that's another trap they're setting for you, you know. It's like somebody, let's say somebody was at a job and they got fired and they didn't, they let him come into work and they then told him they got fired. So, you know, now he thinks it's okay for him to steal all their pens and fucking cuss everybody out and like talk about people's moms and shit, you know. And when people are like, yo, man, you're wrong. He's like, I don't give a fuck, you know. They should have did this to me. Like they should have did that to me. And a lot of times you can tell when that's happening is when like a person took an action against them that wasn't out of line. Like, whatever happened to this person was something they brought upon themselves, and they're in denial of this. They don't want to accept the fact that they are responsible for the action that's causing the consequences they're now enduring. So they try to just, you know, they they get mad, and they think that the fact that they're mad because of because they feel they've been mistreated is enough to treat someone in the fashion that they think is how they're being treated right now when a lot of times they haven't been treated wrongfully like if you've been fired like they probably gave you a couple write-ups they gave you some written warnings they gave you some verbal warnings so it's like when this comes it's like you know you 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 companies and, and employers generally keep documentation of this so you can't pull up an argument like this or say that you guys are mistreating me you guys are picking on me or anything all that type of shit it's like you are dead to rights so if you think that doing being rude or being disrespectful because you feel like you've been mistreated without actually looking at the situation to show that you have been mistreated or if you actually have been mistreated you can undermine your own cause by letting your emotions get in the way and saying or doing something that's gonna fuck this up before you get to, before you get to plead your case. So you can notice that when people like just know they're wrong, but they don't seem to care. Like they feel like whatever they do is okay because somebody pissed them off 
or because somebody ruffled their feathers, not actually did something to them that left them at an undeserved deficit. Like they just, they feel like, well, if they're going to do this to me, I'm going to do this to them. Even though what they've decided to do is like clearly wrong or it puts people in danger or it threatens people's safety or well-being and whatnot. Okay, so you can definitely tell that trap when generally speaking, when somebody endures a negative situation or somebody's going through something that they've most likely brought upon themselves, but they refuse to acknowledge the role that they played and they want to talk about everybody else. And not only do they talk about everybody else, they take actions that do not benefit other people or them. And they feel justified in doing so. Like they can't be talked out of it. They can't be reasoned with as a result. Now, another way that uh, appeal to emotion comes into play is like when uh, when when people try to guilt trip you, like or people try to tug at your heartstrings, they try to use like uh, just the 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 general morality of a situation to try to get you to do something for them that you've likely already declined or you are not immediately willing to do. So, like an example of this is like. Somebody's like, oh my God, how could you deny me this on my birthday? Like, I fucking hate you. Like, you know what? That's, that's when it was your birthday, I didn't do this. And when it was their birthday, I did this and this. Like, what the fuck? How can you do that to me? It's my birthday. And you know, now, granted, people's birthday is like, so I guess an occasion where you would generally, you know, do some things for them you wouldn't do on any given day. But let's say somebody asks you, like, you know, they said they want $1,000 right now for their birthday. And you're like, what? No, I'm not giving you a thousand dollars. Like, come on, like that's completely like, like I don't just have a thousand dollars laying around for you. And they're like, so you're not gonna give me money on my birthday? See, I knew you didn't really care for me. I knew you just were one of those piece of shit friends and blah 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 and this and that. And it's like now they're trying to use your negative emotions to their benefit. They're trying to make you feel a way that you don't want to feel, so you will commit an action that's beneficial to them and get rid of the negative feeling that they try to bestow upon you. Like somebody trying to make you feel like shit so you will no longer want to feel like shit. And the quickest remedy to no longer feel like shit is to do whatever they ask you to do. And my little example here would be give somebody a thousand dollars like on the spot, like and they just ask for it. Like you just had a thousand dollars waiting for them for their birthday. And like you might even offer to get them something lesser than you might offer to give them two fifty. But they don't want the 250. They want the thousand. If you don't give them the thousand, you're a piece of shit. You're a liar. You're this, you're that and blah, 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 blah all guilt tripping and it's all trying to appeal to your negative emotions so that you will try to escape the negative emotion by buying into whatever behavior that they want or that would be more beneficial to them at that point in time and you can definitely notice this trap this this variety of the appeal to emotion trap when you are for whatever reason whether you're justified or unjustified when you are uncooperative in the demands of others when somebody asks you to do something that you don't want to do and you're firm on not wanting to do it, you know? Like if, if they could convince you with words that worked, they would do that, you know? Or if they could like bring, you know, bring up something where you owe them or, you know, like something to that effect. Like if you owe somebody, that's a little different than just somebody just trying to shame you into doing something. Like if you, if you have a debt to someone and they bring this up, still could be the appeal to emotion, but a debt is a little more carries a little more weight than just simply trying to shame someone into doing what you want them to do or someone's trying to shame you into doing what they're doing what they want you to do you know so if you can tell if people are like 
like constantly begging or they're being like overly persuasive. Like, come on, man, it'll just be this. They're just trying to make it seem like it'll just, they're trying to get you to, to break free of the logic that is preventing you from doing what they want you to do. And they're trying to get you to make a, make a bet on an impulse, like something quick, something that's too, that you, that you can't go back on or renege on very quickly. They want you to just commit to the decision. Don't think about the outcome. Don't think about all the things that would make sense to think about that would make you not want to do this thing that I'm asking you to do. Like, you know, somebody said when they want a thousand dollars for their birthday, it's like, man, but you make like five grand a month, man. What's a thousand bucks, man? Come on. Like, you know, you know, you know, what would make me happy, man. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, why do you always do this, man? See, you, you're always doing it. Now, when he asks me for something, I always give it to you. And blah, blah, blah. And it's like, hey, look, I said, I'm not giving you a thousand dollars. You can take the 250 or you can get the fuck out of my face. You know, that's how you deal with that. Like people who are, I read this book a long time ago that was called how to say no and keep your friends. And while at that age, I was like 13 when I read it. And while a lot of the shit I read in that book was hogwash to me, one thing I read stood out to me and it was, it was referencing a situation where you're back in an environment and you're trying to like not use drugs and you're around friends whom you used to use, use drugs with and they're testing you to see if you're gonna use these drugs. So they're like, uh, yo man, you wanna come back here and uh, smoke this blunt or you know, hit this whatever, whatever the fuck. And you're like, you're like, no. They say, only say no once. Like draw that line in the sand. Like if you keep saying, no man, no man, I'm supposed to not be doing this. Come on, man, don't give me a hard time about it. Like the more you feed in and respond with words and not actions, the more you seem persuadable. You seem like you're, you are able to be, that somebody can push you to the point where you will give in. You know, if they just keep trying and keep trying because you haven't firmly denied that shit and made it a point that it's not happening. So when people try to appeal to your negative emotion and attempt to make you escape it, like don't even embrace the negative emotion. Like even if you do feel bad, like if it's something you do not wish to, to, to comply with, don't fucking do it. And only say no once. Like, look, man, I'm not doing... Come on. And when they just say it again, just kind of just look at them. You know, don't move. Just kind of give them that look like, really, motherfucker? Did you not just hear me? Like, no, it's not happening. I said no. Get the fuck over it. Got to draw a line in the sand when people try to guilt trip you or manipulate you. And especially when they're using your emotions to get at you. So, you know, when people try to appeal to your emotions, it's not always a bad thing, but people realize the effectiveness of appealing to people's emotions. But we got to remember emotions is like weather. Like it's never rained in any one place forever for eternity. Weather generally comes and goes. Sometimes it's a more vicious storm and sometimes it's a less vicious storm, but weather comes and then the sun comes out. It's a bright day again and everything is what it is. You just got to take shelter during those storms. So don't let people try to impose weather on you per se. Like if you're, if you're firm about something, be firm about it. Don't let me, don't let people play to your emotions and get you out of a logical mind, get you out of a rational mind and get you to doing shit that you don't want to do, you know? And this is one, this pretty much concludes, wraps up the appeal to emotion trap. If somebody's trying to appeal to your emotions, basically you're going to want to determine if they're trying to appeal to your emotions because it's a good way to get something, get you to do something positive or whether they have ulterior motives or whether their intent is not good and they're trying to get you to make a decision that's not based on emotion and logic, but just based on emotion and logic be damned. 
Okay. So with that being said, let's move on to another uh, another little method people use to try to fuck with you and get you off your square. second base topic okay so another trap I noticed a little more common and um, I think it's one we're all kind of hip to there's a cliche regarding it and what they say is uh, two wrongs don't make a right now some people will fundamentally understand this yet they will employ this incorrectly so this is called the two wrongs trap or tip for tat you know like the get even game, you know, where like somebody's always trying to keep scores, somebody's trying to keep the scales balanced, but generally the actions they take to balance the scales only end up further differentiating them and creating more conflict. So, you know, this generally you can generally describe this trap as fighting fire with fire. Now, how do you notice when somebody's playing a tit for tat game with you? It's when uh when you've been accused of when you when you when you when you're accused of a wrongdoing in response to an initial accusation of someone else's wrongdoings, sometimes called being petty. So let's just say I, uh, you know, I'm not leaving the toilet seat. I'm, I'm leaving the toilet seat up, you know. So instead of somebody just addressing me, say, hey, would you mind leaving the toilet seat down? Or let's say they have addressed me and I forget to do it one time. So. Instead of when I, when the toilet seat's left down, I mean, when the to- they go in there and the toilet seat's left up, they get mad. So one day when I go in the bathroom, like, my fucking toothbrushes have been left in the sink and the sink is dirty or some shit like that. And I'm like, yo, did you touch my fucking toothbrush? It's like, yeah, well, did you forget to leave the fucking seat down? And it's like, okay, I mean, you put the seat down. And it's like, okay, so now, like, a, a, what happens here is, like, the first wrong... I guess you could say that has been done here. It was like, I forgot to put the seat back down. So now, instead of confronting me about my error and like, you know, trying to help me remember that this needs to be done, you take an action which is equally unfavorable or undesirable in an attempt to like get back at me instead of like letting me know or like working with me to help me solve this problem, if it, even if it takes a little bit more than just one one redirect. So that's how you notice it. People will do it with arguments. People will do it with like coworkers that do this to you. Oh, so you didn't you didn't clock out quick enough. So it's like you know now I gotta stay here. Or you showed up late, so I'm gonna show up late. Or you fucking, you know, you did this to me. So basically, you did something to somebody, whether you were aware of it or not. And now they're going to do something back to you as opposed to trying to, you know, make sure this doesn't happen again in the future. They're going to repeat an action as opposed to taking steps to make sure the action doesn't happen again. And that's why it's a problem. So let me see what I write here. Generally, if people who do this, they, uh, they fail to to move on they don't they don't let go of the past easily they're always stuck on something you did and they haven't reached closure because like they felt like they've been wronged and talking to you and addressing the situation with you to reach a solution would not be a plausible enough way to fix the problem like their emotions what you've done or whatever has happened 
has gotten them emotional and they've gotten to the point where they're no longer thinking clearly. They're now thinking with their emotions, which is kind of what I touched on in the last on the last base. They're starting to they're thinking with their emotion instead of solving the problem. They're trying to solve their emotion. They want to feel better. You know, with the appeal to emotion, people will try to get you to feel negative feelings because they'll know you'll want to get away from them. But in this one, they're just trying to get away from their own negative emotion, but they're trying to pass it on as opposed to get rid of it. And the problem with this is, like like I said, for one, if it, if it was an issue, why not just say something at the time? Like, people like this or people who use this tend to not say things when they happen, but they want to let them accumulate and then try to give you a large rundown of the one time you did this and the one time you did that and the one time you did that. And if your memory is not as pristine and crystal clear as these motherfuckers memory, or if yours is and theirs is too, but you guys differentiate on a a particular uh, aspect of it or whatever, it's like, it's just never going to, it's never going to end. If something is an issue, you just need to say something about it right then and there. And then I'm, I'm now moving into how you can, you know, I got five steps on how you can really solve this problem. But like, you know, just, just touching on that. Like if it's an issue, just say something when it happens. Because if you say something when it happens, it's much harder to explain or talk your way out of it. It's much fresher in everybody's mind. So we don't have to play the mental calendar game. And it's not established that this is a problem. Like, you know, it's a problem and I'm not just saying something about it after the fact and then everyone's, you know, recollect, recollection of it is fuzzy. Like, no, I'm saying something about it right now as it happened. So there's no excuse, you know? And like I said, people who do this, they just generally get stuck on one action you took two weeks ago and they've been doing all this shit, being neurotic, trying to get back with you. And in your mind, you're like, what the fuck is going on with this person? Why are they behaving this way? You know? And ultimately, it just creates a cycle. It just is, it's, it's, it creates a back and forth. Well, I'm going to do something to you because you did something. Well, now they did something to me. I'm going to do something to them. It's like, and if two people are childish enough, this shit could go on and on on some Hatfield and McCoy shit. Nothing gets solved. That's the problem. Like, the cycle you create does not have a built in escape method. So, if you get caught in this shit, you have to actively step out, but you don't have to actively step in so much to get caught into it. Like it could just seem like a righteous thing. And the next thing you know, you're engaged in a war with somebody that never was meant to go to war, you know? So you got to be solution focused. That's how you get out of this shit. Now my five steps, that's, that's how you notice it. That's how you notice when somebody is trying to suck you into this shit. Now I kind of jot it down like what a five, six step process. I know I said five, but I, you know, I'm just trying not to be rambling here. I tried to organize my thoughts a little bit. So I got a six-step approach to how you get out of this shit because it can be kind of sticky once you get in it because a motherfucker can really just work your nerves or know how to push your buttons just the right way. And then you know how to push their buttons just the right way. And like, it feels good to get that get back off. And sometimes that feel good, that, that dope hit, that dopamine hit that you get from getting even with somebody can override the the logical pragmatic solutions that's in your head it's like just stop doing this just 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 step out of this shit so the six step solution that i jotted up you know just thinking about all the times i've been in this situation step one you need to assess guilt you know so if somebody's bringing an accusation before you 
Don't worry about what they've done. Don't start talking about them. Don't think about them at all. Think about you. The first question you should be asking yourself is, did I actually do to the extent what this person is accusing me of? Like, am I actually guilty? If the answer is yes or if the answer is no, you move on to step two. Step two is, if you did it, admit that you've done it. Take responsibility. Because by taking responsibility, you introduce an action that was not anticipated. The person is not expecting you to own up and be responsible. They want you to get caught up in this shit and, you know, do something back to them so they can do something back to you. And, like, you guys are constantly stuck in a back-scratching fucking affair that neither of you wanted. Well, one of you wanted. So if you actually did it, admit the guilt and be candid about it. Don't half-ass admit it and say, yeah, well, I wouldn't have done this if you weren't such a bitch. Like, no, like, uh-uh. Just like, you know what? All right, okay, I fucked up. My bad. I, sh- I did this. I shouldn't have done this. Woo, woo, woo. You know, I'm wrong for this. Because now by admitting that you're wrong, like, you now open up the door for you to correct the situation. By addressing the fact that there's a problem, you can now come up with a solution. You know, and that's cycle-breaking. When you admit a solution, that means we don't want this to happen anymore. So if we don't want this to happen anymore... That means we don't want to be Hatfields and McCoys. Like, we want to say, you know what? I'm tired of getting into a feud with my next-door neighbor, so I'm just going to find a new next-door neighbor. You know, I'm going to fix the problem and break the cycle by doing something that doesn't keep this shit going. Now, if you're not guilty of what this person is saying, you know, acknowledge that the fact that they feel how they feel, you know, and you not agreeing with it, you're like, you're, you're gonna, you guys are going to have to agree to disagree here. However, this particular problem has to get solved. Hang on a second. Fucking bugs, Jesus Christ. But yeah, this problem is going to have to get solved. Like, because I don't want to be sitting here having this conversation again. Like, you brought this to my attention. You feel this way. I feel a different way. And we don't seem to be meeting in the middle. So what are we going to do? How do we solve this situation to our mutual satisfaction? You know? Introducing a solution is how you break the cycle of this shit so you're not going back and forth and arguing like fucking toddlers over some stupid shit. You know, introduce a solution, which is the third step. So you either first step, assess guilt. Second step, admit guilt or either withdraw from the bullshit. The third step is find a solution to remedy the issue. Like, you know, if you've admitted that you've done this, you got to figure up a way to, to, to solve this problem, which it usually always is to where whatever the person that's complaining about or to get back is they cannot complain about this anymore like not just they shouldn't complain like this is going to take away the reason you're complaining so we don't have to have this conversation anymore or we don't have to butt heads on this you know and if you can come up with that situation you need to offer it offer this as a solution like look I don't want to keep arguing I'm tired of arguing about this shit let's fix this If the person is willing to fix it, the other person, it'll go a lot smoother when you get when you get to this step. If they don't want to fix it, then shit, X them out of the solution. The solution will fix it so you don't have to deal with this anymore. Or if you do deal with it again, you have a way to minimize or reduce the amount of stress that this situation is going to put you through. You don't have to get caught up in that nonsense. So the next step is implement that solution, like actually do it. Like, especially if you've admitted that you're wrong, 
If you've admitted that there's a problem, you now are obligated to fix said problem. So implement the solution and do it, you know? And once you fix, once you actually take the behavior that should fix the solution, the person who's complaining should not have the same avenue to complain about that without looking foolish. Like if somebody's complaining about me always coming in 15 minutes late and they gotta stay over, now nah, I'll just come in 15 minutes early. So that way, like I'm here before you here, you see me being here, like you can no longer complain about me coming in late to any degree because now I'm not just on time, I'm early. So I actually get to watch you leave, you know, on time. You don't get to get any extra time because of me anymore. So like, and now if they want to complain, like, see you now you're coming in too early, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, now you have a situation where it's like, look, first I was coming in late, now I'm coming in too early. Like now you have a stronger argument that other people who may not even be familiar with the situation or have firsthand account on what's going on can now back you up. Your argument is just more universally logical and pragmatic. And anybody who's on the side of reason will be able to come in to your aid because You've done the work on your end. And if the other person isn't going to do their work, it's now obvious. So step five is do not revisit it again. If for whatever reason, even if you do commit the action that, you know, you said you weren't or whatever, like do not revisit it. Do not give back in and start this shit over with. Like when we offer this solution or when we implement the solution, this is we're basically agreeing that this is going to be the last time we talk about this shit so we're not getting wrapped up into this over again we're not doing this again like this is it like we're gonna get everything we need to get out out right now so we can you know fucking put the nail in the coffin and be done with this shit we're not gonna talk about it anymore if i fuck up again i apologize you know blah 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 i understand you know just work with me like i'm trying blah 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 blah. but do not get back in the tit for tat game like do not do do not feed into that energy and then just end up doing something back to them like just continue to admit and continue to actually get better this does require you to have to do some work if you are the one that's wrong and then sixth step which is you know kind of optional but get some witnesses like after you've made this agreement to implement the solution that you've discussed and you've offered a solution that's been heard out and you agree to do this, like get someone else to see that you made this solution or tell somebody else about it. And when you're sticking to it, if this shit ever comes up again, you've got somebody that can back you up and it's not a he, he said, she said, she said, or a 1v1 type of deal. Like now you've got somebody else who's like, no, I remember when they said this and such, such, such and blah, blah, blah. And you have a much stronger case that relieves you of any negative responsibility or any outcome that makes it seem like you're the one that's creating the problem. It's just like if somebody's trying to argue with you and you don't talk and they just sit there shouting at you, trying to get you to feed in, but you just don't say anything back. From the outside in, it looks like you're the one that's being harassed and they're the one that's being aggressive. You know, you gotta reframe that situation and take control of it with action. You can't just talk this shit. This is not a passive solution. Like you have to actually put in some work but if you abide by these steps, you should not fall victim to the tit for tat game. It does require you to be the bigger person. However, if you can successfully be the bigger person, you can successfully avoid these finger pointing ass, these little finger pointing conversations, 
We're like, well, you did this. Well, you did that. Well, you did this. Well, you did that. That's fucking childish. That's elementary school shit. We're all grown here. We, we, I, we ain't doing this shit. It makes you stand out. It makes you look mature. And it can almost never go wrong for you if you follow those six steps. Like, if it does go wrong for you, then it's a real unique-ass situation that probably doesn't apply under this under this topic right here. But if you follow all them steps, you should never fall victim to the tit-for-tat, two wrongs game. Like, you should never fall for that trap. But if you are falling for that trap, the only way out of it, you know, with, with no scrapes, with no damage, is to be the bigger person. And, like, actually be the bigger person. Now, just talk that talk. You got to walk that walk. All right. So, we got one more of these in the first base topic. And, um... I think it's probably the one I see the most and it's the most damaging to the conversation, to, to the formula for communication. So let's get on to that right now. All right. It's that time again. It's that time of the show where I have to take the focus off of me for a couple seconds to congratulate a bunch of nobodies who made it this far. You know, so if you're still listening, give yourself your gold star for the day. Affirm yourself in whatever method that you deem necessary. Because uh, I don't know how long this one's going to take. So in terms of these uh, conversational traps that people lay, the number one just couldn't be just one. But it's two that I think are equally devastating. And those two are when people cut you over. And by cut over, I mean interrupt you before you're finished talking, which we all do to some degree. But I'm just talking about the variety that's problematic in the sense that it's a conversational trap. So we got cutting over and then we have vagueness and hyper precision. So let's get to it. Let's not waste any time. What I write? I should not. We're not writing this green ink again. This shit was dumb, 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 dumb. All right. So, so this isn't the first. I had to write notes down. Forgive me. Bear with me. It's not something I'm used to doing. Do 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 do. Where am I? Okay. So this was it. Uh. All right. So, cutting over and vagueness. So I'm gonna do cutting over first, and then I'm gonna come back and touch on vagueness. So. Cutting over, basically what that is, is you're trying to talk and somebody's interrupting you, but they're interrupting you with with the sense that they aren't trying to listen to you. They're trying to talk over you. They're trying to talk you down. They're not trying to abide by the normal rules of conversation. They just want to talk you down. They want to get their word in over yours because they feel like they're so right that they shouldn't even have to fucking listen to you. So, yeah, usually come off as uh, you dominate the conversation. You prevent complete thoughts from getting out. You, uh, oh, my gosh, I shouldn't have, shouldn't have wrote it. Oh, yeah, you dictate the direction of the discussion unfairly. And, um, yeah, that's cutting over. So I shouldn't need to really give an example of cutting over, but I will. You know, to the best of my ability, because I, I felt like it was so self-explanatory. I didn't really need to give an example. But now that I'm here, I want to give an example. So if it's like, uh, you know, 
if you just come in the house, you, you, you with your girlfriend or whatever, and you're just like, hey, honey, can I tell you something? She's like, I, I know, I know. I'll do the dishes in a second. It's like, the fuck? You didn't even let me finish my thought. And not only did you not let me finish my thought, you were trying to anticipate what I was going to say before I was going to say it. And you failed. And you, like, did some type of weird straw man where you, like, tried to 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 sum up what I was going to say, but I wasn't even going to say that. So you summed up an incorrect thought and one that was never meant to be delivered. But had you just let me finish talking, you would have heard what the fuck I was trying to say. So, yeah, like, that definitely shows it. Cutting over is an aggressive action. It's an aggressive move, and it's what people do when they either don't want you to finish your thought or they just don't want you to talk. They want to, they want to, they feel like they can be the victor in air quotes of the conversation by talking more and having more talking time. It's just like in a soccer match, you know, you can have like 75% possession of the ball, but it only takes one goal to lose. You know, it doesn't matter how much you have the ball. If you have the ball 75% of the time and you bullshit with it, that other 25% could be more valuable. So, you know, pe- people don't want to listen. They want to dominate the conversation. They want to flood the conversation with more words but less substance. So that's basically how you spot somebody trying to cut you over. Ways you'll notice that is uh, you won't be able to finish your sentence. You'll be repeating yourself over and over again. But it's like you're repeating yourself for no reason because the more you repeat yourself, the less you're heard. You will uh, you'll, you'll experience frustration. And you'll find yourself always answering your other the other person's questions, but you don't get your question answered. You know, so you will be saying something. You'll be in the middle of explaining something like just hypothetically. Uh, black people don't deserve reparations. So you saying that, that you racist? You saying that black people need to be. Opp- no, no. What I'm saying, that sound like what you saying. And it's like, well, if you let me finish, I don't need to let you finish. You already said you don't think black people deserve shit. And blah, blah, blah. And it's like, boom. When you get caught in this in this trap right here, it takes a lot more patience and a lot of maturity because your only way out may be to not have a necessary conversation. But conversation has what I would describe as unspoken rules. Like there's unspoken rules that govern conversation that determine whether a conversation with somebody is fruitful, beneficial, worth having or there's stressful, combative, and just like an all-out war of who the fuck can talk the loudest. So if you're talking with somebody and you're constantly getting cut over and you can't get a word in edgewise, like, and you just, the more you talk, you feel like the dumber you get. I came up with some solutions to help you deal with getting cut over. Now, I'm going to just go ahead and spoil it and just say, ultimately, if, if someone's not going to abide by the unspoken rules of conversation, then don't waste your fucking time talking to them because they're more than likely the type of person that's just waiting for their turn to speak and they're not really invested or listening to what you have to say. And why waste your words? Words are valuable. Like, you know, if words, if it costs 75 cents a syllable for every word you want to utter, like motherfuckers would be a lot more frugal with the stupid shit they say, you know? So if you're talking to somebody and you're constantly getting cut over, somebody won't let you finish like you're talking over someone constantly. Here are some solutions or some steps that I uh, came up with, you know, 
that I think will get you out of that situation, either hurt or with the least amount of stress and, you know, an easy way to label somebody who's not really a good conversationalist in the future. So first step is let yourself be cut over a few times in the beginning. Do not, you know, sometimes people just want to get a thought out. I know when I cut people over a lot of times because I have a thought I don't want to lose. So like I'm really just waiting for the, the for them to stop talking so I can like get this thought out before I lose it. But other times people ain't just trying to hold on to their thought. They're trying to actively minimize the room that you have to talk. So if someone's cutting you over, let them let them do it in the beginning. You know, let them let them get away with it. Let them get it out. Because I feel like if someone is just trying to say something and you let them get it out, there should be less need or less room to cut you over in the future. It's like I let you say what you had to say. It was bursting at the seams of your lips. So I shut the fuck up for a second and gave you room to talk in the hopes that when it's my turn, you will have said everything you need to say and you'd be more willing to listen to what I have to say. And, you know, the conversation could flow like a normal conversation. So after you let yourself be cut over a few times, you know, you got to assert yourself. If you're letting them cut you over and they're not self-aware enough to realize they're not giving you a turn to talk, now's the time to be firm and now's the time to assert yourself. You can't just let someone continue to just talk you down over and over and over and you don't get anything because that's that's not how how communication works so the second step would be to you know insert some phrases like hey man let me finish like when you're talking and someone cuts you off hold your thought but like actively acknowledge that they're cutting you off but not by saying hey you're cutting me over it's like hold on let me let me finish my point hold on let me say what i gotta say let me finish talking before you jump in like literally say things like that like if someone keeps cutting you off, then it's obvious you're going to have to force your way into this conversation if you're going to be heard. But we're not going to overdo that. So to introduce that 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 motion, you just say, hey, you know, you know. So uh, why I think black people don't deserve reparations? It's got you right, man. Hey, let me let me finish. I let you talk. Let me talk. You know, I let you talk. And until they shut up, continue to let, let me finish. Hold on. See, look, you're not even letting me talk. Like draw attention to the fact that it's like, okay, now you're talking too much. I tried to be considerate and assume that it was just like some token chatterbox going on, but it's like now, no. Eventually it's got to be my turn to talk or this is a fucking lecture. And I don't think this is a lecture. So let me finish. Hold on. I'll let you finish. Let me finish. It's my turn. Like, it's my turn to talk. I didn't interrupt you. Don't interrupt me. Like, you normally, if you could say something like that, Somebody will acknowledge, they can't help but acknowledge that they're talking too much because they realize they weren't, they didn't introduce the current sentence. So they'll probably shut up and give you some room. The next step, you know, wait for them to shut up, you know, wait for them to stop talking and ask them if they're done. If they say they're done, then that's when you start talking and do not let yourself be talked over. Like, let them finish. This kind of expands on the first one. Like, let them fully finish talking. Let them say what they have to say and give it like a couple seconds to be sure that nothing else is coming after that. So you'll be like, you know what, you race. You know, I'm a fucking nerd. <laughs> after a while, they're just somebody rambling one side they kind of realize they're the only voice in the room. So, and nobody can just talk indefinitely. So wait for them to finish their thought completely. Give it a couple of seconds of silence to ensure 
and then ask them, are they done? If they're not done, let them finish. If they are done, take the floor. Like, don't don't give it back to them. Like, when they talk, like, and remind them, like, I sat and listened to you. You, it's your turn to listen to me flat out if this conversation is going to work, you know? You got to hold firm on that shit. Do not just let them fucking talk their way over you or just don't let them do that shit again, you know? Let them finish, ask them if they done, and then hold firm when it's your turn to talk. Okay? The next step is to do it back to them. Like, if they're cutting you off and they're not responsive to it, cut them off a little bit, you know? Not not with the sense of, like, you're going to win the debate, but just to kind of bring it to the attention is like, hey, you interrupted me, I'm going to interrupt you, man, because we got to, you know, there's got to be a degree of fairness here. So, yeah, if they're cutting you off, cut them off. And... Ask them what I would like to call a question checkpoint. Like, so if somebody's constantly talking over you, ask them a real, real simple question that kind of sums up like a real simple yes or no question and harp on it. And if they don't answer that question, highlight their evasiveness to answer that question as a reason, make an assumption as a result of that and like start to wrap the conversation up. So it's like, okay, okay, so do you think anyone who doesn't support reparations is racist? Do you think do you think anyone that doesn't support reparations for black people is automatically racist? Do I'm, I'm, all I need is that question answered. Blah 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 blah. Like you gotta like narrow them. You gotta funnel them down to one point. You can't just let them trample all over you conversationally. Like that's a question checkpoint. If they don't answer that question, halt the progress of the conversation or consider withdrawing altogether. Because if it's not going to be a dialogue or you talk, I listen, I talk, you listen. If it's not going to be like that, then you're, you're wasting your time and you're wasting your energy. And you're setting yourself up to get frustrated for no reason. Now, if that doesn't work, like I said, in the conversation until this person decides to be cooperative again or they're in a more calmer state of mind. Like if those tactics do not work, then this conversation will not work. Do not get invested emotionally. Don't get angry. Don't get upset. Some people just don't want to listen. Some people aren't going to listen. No matter what you say, no matter how cogent your points are, they're just not down to hear you talk. They don't give a fuck what you got to say. So when that's the case and all else fails, say, look, you know what? If you want to have this conversation in the future, I'm down with that shit. But as of right now, this shit is hectic and I'm, I'm, just, I'm just not going to do it. You know, you got to assert control over the things you have control over. So, you know, those are just some tips. Those are what I think will effectively neutralize that situation and get you out of it when you find yourself in it with the least amount of damage. You know, don't waste your time talking to incredulous people or loud mouths or people who think volume wins debates like it does not. Someone out there is listening and someone out there will notice. Now to get to the other half of this vagueness and hyper precision. Now, vagueness and hyper precision like the vagueness is when you're trying to talk to somebody and they're just they're just not clear enough to really understand to to be on the same page with them like they don't give a lot of details or when they do give a lot of details it's always about one specific situation but it's like not really like broad and like it's, when they need to be broad they're specific and when they need to be specific they're broad so it's like the way to spot that well first of all yep that's pretty much what it is like when people are vagueness or they're hyper precise is when they take advantage of the clarity that they provide when discussing something to, like, shine the light on a situation in the way that they want it to, you know? So, like, examples of that is, like, people who use, like, 
you know, some people do this, or I know a few guys that do this. Is always some like some people. It's never a definitive, clear understanding of like who and what they're talking about. It's just always something that's ambiguous and easy to misinterpret. You some people they use absolute terms like all the time. You always and never like they talk in absolutes. Like you always do this, or you I never get my way, and blah blah blah. And they they you know. Because that's the hyper-precise. It's like, now you're talking about what I do always. So by always, you mean all the time. Or by never, you mean none of the time. And if you don't mean that, don't say that. You know, you got to learn how to find a different way. Like, you know, I think some of the time, most of the time, like overwhelming majority, like you got to find phrases that's not absolute. When people talk in absolutes, they're trying to be hyper-precise or, you know, be hyper-precise about a certain thing and then vague about something else to shine a particular light on themselves. You know, when they reference a specific situation, you know, or, or you, you know, when they when they need one, they reference specific situations so they can highlight themselves a particular way. Just kind of went over that. They just they talk about a particular situation when you're talking about a general set of behaviors, but they just lock in on one particular situation where they didn't do it. And they try to use that as an argument, as a counter argument. Don't let it happen. And finally, when you got to ask multiple questions to get a, a, a real simple answer, you know, like you got to ask, like, so where are you going? I'm going outside. Well, we're outside into a structure. Oh, well, what kind of structure? A grocery store. Well, which grocery store? I'm going to Albertsons. Which Albertsons? Albertsons on such, such, such. And what time are you going? Like, you could have just told me all that from the beginning, you know, like motherfuckers that just want to purposely just you got to ask multiple questions. To get an answer, it indicates that they're trying to hide something from you. Um, when they demand proof, when it's like an unprovable situation, when it's like, you know, neither of you guys weren't there and you both are making your best assumption on something, but we we can't really give enough credence to anyone to lay it down as fact, but we can't disprove it either. And they try to take those situations and like lend the evidence that supports their theory as to like what should be fact. They try to treat theory as fact on a situation where fact cannot be, absolute fact cannot be reached. And what else did I put down here? When none can exist and they claim. Jesus, I can't read my own fucking hair right Oh, they claim innocence, but they don't, they don't, they claim they didn't do something or they claim they're innocent, but they, they, they don't, they don't have any evidence. You know, they don't they don't have anything to back that up. Like they just say, or it's gotta be something how I feel, I gotta trust how much I know the person. Like they're not relying on any kind of evidence that would like hold up in a courtroom per se. Not necessarily that strict, but something close to it. They try to use that and get you to just go along with it, go along with you know me, you know me for years, man. You know I wouldn't do something like this. Like, yeah, but whatever. Knowing you for years ain't got nothing to do with this situation right here. So a lot of examples there when you when you encounter somebody being vague or using hyper precision to their advantage. I just got like some general tactics you can use to try to elicit more uh, uh, more detailed responses out of it, out of them and make sure that when they say something that you understand what they're saying. And when you and when you say something, they understand what you're saying and there's no miscommunication. So I'm a breeze through these. You know, because I feel like I've been at this shit 18 minutes. Like, I didn't think it was going to run on this long. But, like, 
This shit frustrates me, and I get passionate about it. So, number one, just avoid absolutes unless there's an absolute situation, unless it's something that you always or never do. Like, avoid the words always and never unless you're absolutely certain that somebody always does something or they never do it. If somebody's not, you say things like, you know, most of the time, I was like, more times than not, overwhelming majority and like, but, you know, things like that to, to indicate that, like, there are times where you don't do it, but they're almost negligible. So don't use absolutes if you don't have to. Next, if people are saying, like, some people say this or some people feel like this or something, okay, what people? You know, like, if you're going to reference an undisclosed number of an undisclosed group of people like, we need some, in order for me to recognize that, we're going to need some detail. Okay, what people feel this way, you know? And when people are talking like that, you got to, if they're going to make a claim about what some people want or what some people, you got to force them to defend that claim. Like, if they make a claim, they have to stand by it. Hold them accountable. And if they cannot defend that claim, don't even acknowledge it. Like, we just, we not, I'm not going off something that you can't really elaborate on. Fuck that. Number three, this is an important one. You don't seek agreements. Don't talk to these people. There's only su- supplying a few details. Like you don't need them to agree with you. And like when you realize there's an issue in the conversation, like if I realize you're not giving me enough detail and I make a conclusion based on the information I have and, you, and they tell you that you're wrong, who cares? You might be wrong, but they're not helping you be right. So you got to make some type of conclusion in order to move forward with this shit. So. If people are just giving you the runaround or some shit, you know, don't don't look for them to agree with you back. They're never never going to do it. Make your own theory, move the fuck on, and then see what happens then. Next, you got to set accountability traps, which is basically finding a phrase that that you you know that we all agree on is true, and then if they say anything that deviates from it going forward, you hold them accountable to what they said. So like. You give them like a real easy question. That's something that's hard to deny. That's when you use some vagueness on them. But if they continue to provide details, you try to find a way to, to, to make their words not agree so you can highlight an inconsistency and you either hurt their credibility or you get the truth out of them. You got to do it and you got to do it simply and quickly and with skill. It takes practice. But if you can hold people accountable to their words, then you can find out if someone's just talking because they're talking or if they're saying things that they firmly and actually believe in. Uh, Another thing you could do is deliberately misinterpret what somebody says. Like if somebody fails to give you adequate enough details, then come up with the wrong thing on purpose. Like, well, you said this, this, and this. How am I supposed to know? How am I supposed to? I can't do all the work for you. I can't speak your words for you. I can't do all that. Like if somebody says like, hey, you know what I mean? I'm going to, uh, Walk to the store. Like, well, why would you walk to the store in the next state? Well, I wouldn't walk to the store in the next state. Well, you didn't tell me which store, and there's definitely stores in the next state. You just said you were going to walk there. Like, deliberately misinterpret what they say and force them to, you know, at the risk of you looking stupid, provide more details so we all can understand what the hell they're talking about. Another thing, make sure you stick to facts and what's provable beyond a doubt. Like, if you're not sure about something, express your lack of surety. Do not assert thoughts or things that you don't know to be true as such because it will only come back to bite you in the ass if someone can prove that what you are saying is false and it's going to hurt your credibility and that's not what you want here you want to be the one that's 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 you want to be the pillar here not the fucking you know 
piece of debris floating in the wind. Don't let people answer your questions with questions. If you let someone answer your question with a question and you answer their question, your initial question is lost. Don't let people answer questions with questions. If they can't answer your question, halt the progress of the conversation until they do, depending on the significance of that question. And if they refuse to answer it, highlight their refusal as a reason to end the conversation because we cannot advance if you're not going to be honest about simple-ass questions. Don't get caught up in long discussion with these motherfuckers. Don't use slang and alternate meanings like use clear, concise language that everybody knows and understands. Don't start talking this old, this old, who the God, how the whom the, like the, the words you use may not be the words other people use. And all it takes is one fucking phrase to be misinterpreted and your whole meaning is lost behind, you know, because you're trying to sound cool. Fuck all that slang and alternate terms. Use clear, direct language. Um, Troll them. You know, if somebody's being vague or you feel like they're not taking you seriously, well, give them that same energy back. You know, like you got to be taken serious. If someone's not taking you seriously, then it doesn't matter what the fuck you're talking about or how vague or how hyper precise. You need to be taken seriously. So if somebody just bullshitting around because, you know, with the answers that they're giving you, like, you know, if they want something of you, give it back to them. Because sometimes the tit for tat game works in your favor, but you got to do it righteously. If somebody's not going to be frank with you when you're investigating, shit, don't be frank with them if they ever need to investigate with you. Like, shit, because why would you be giving up all the information and they give up none or give up some, some crumbs? That's not fair and it's not going to benefit you, you know? If you got actual data, if you got statistics, like, you know, highlight that shit and always be ready to abandon the conversation if somebody won't fucking cooperate. So, like, if you got stats that you study that you know are empirically true, fucking use them and challenge other people to look them up, too. Like, don't 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 just be vague, like, because, you know, use someone's vagueness against them. If they're being vague, offer the clarity that they're lacking so you can keep the conversation grounded and it's, you know, at least people knows who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't know what they're talking about. And also, like I said, if all these fail and you're just dealing with an absolute lunatic, a fucking nuisance, a numbskull, a fucking idiot, you know, cut it short. Like just, hey, look, you know what? Control the things you can control always. And if you can't control this conversation, then fuck this conversation. It's not worth my time. It's not worth my effort. It's not worth anything that I have to offer because I only want to hold productive conversations with inquisitive, like-minded individuals who are looking for when the conversation over to feel good about it and to have gained something that they didn't previously have. Now I have to walk somebody and hold their hand through the conversation like they're a fucking child because who wants to do that, especially into adulthood, you know? So that's the vagueness and hyper-precision and cutting over conversational traps. Like if you can take these tips that I talked about in this podcast today and you can figure out how to notice them and, and nip them in the bud before they turn into drawn out arguments or they turn out into, you know, just a conversation gone berserk, you know, you'll realize people won't be able to out talk you as much. You will have much more meaningful conversations. And when people are saying dumb shit, you just walk the fuck away from them. And that's just that. You don't entertain nonsense anymore. So, you know, just wanted to share some game with y'all today. You know, that's going to conclude the show. 
I've been on this shit for talking for 27 goddamn minutes. I don't even remember a segment I've had that's been 27 minutes long, but this shit is real. It's hard to discuss this shit without going into detail. I needed every minute of this shit. So, you know, I thank y'all for rocking with me through all that. You know, if you, if you, if you manage to listen to all my rambling and shit, congratulations. You better off for it. I promise. I'm not just wasting time. So that's going to conclude today's episode. Appreciate y'all. Until next time. I will holla. Stop arguing with dummies.